Welcome to Real Life Real Equity Podcast with your hosts, Justin and Keisha Brooks. Hey, welcome to the show. Our goal is to share with you real life examples of entrepreneurs who are winning in both life and business. As real estate investors, our mission is to model, educate, and inspire you to act by sharing ease to implement tools, ideas, and information to add more worth to your net worth or cash to your cash flow, helping you achieve your goals in less time. Welcome to the show. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Real Life Real Equity, and we are really excited about our guest today. He is a real estate investor whose passion for real estate business and financial freedom has helped him to amass a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio consisting of single family homes, multi-family apartments, commercial real estate, and mobile home parks. From humble beginnings, a book on real estate, and a strong desire for financial freedom, he has set out to find creative ways to start purchasing income, producing investment real estate. He is a strong advocate of financial literacy through self-education, Health, wealth, happiness, and family are important to him. He focuses his time and energy learning, living, and growing in these areas. He has a beautiful wife and two amazing sons with lots of energy who keeps him busy with various activities. He strongly believes that being healthy, wealthy, and happy are choices, and with the right knowledge and, more importantly, effective action can all be greatly achieved. Ladies and gentlemen, Give a warm round of applause to our guest today, Gabriel Hamill. Welcome to the show. Yeah, good to be here. Absolutely. Mr. Tom Freedom himself. I That's know, right. I've been waiting to say that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's start off with a little bit about your journey. Sure. I grew up in a lower middle class family, working parents. Got a paper out when I was 12. You know, my parents said, hey, if, if you want to buy your own things or you want these things, you need to find a way to buy them. Started selling candy bars in middle school. As I mentioned in the book, Keisha, you were laughing about it. I'm thinking this part of selling condoms my, my ninth yes. grade year. Out of my locker. Yeah, the school, the school, the school what shut that down. What do you want? <laughs> the school shut that down really fast. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and the the amb- it's the ambition, though. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It was. It was the yeah. The buy low, sell high. And um, yeah, when I was about nineteen or so, uh, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Uh, it was the first book that I had ever read in my life, cover to cover, word for word. I was not a big reader. Academia school was kind of not was really not my my classroom. I, I stayed in school mostly for the social aspect and because I was a high school wrestler. So I found a way through. And then when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, it really just opened my eyes to other possibilities. I said, this is what I want to do. Soon after, I was deployed over to Iraq in 2003 and four. And so over there, I, I thought about the lessons I learned in the book often and came back and started buying rental property. You hit something that I want to make sure we highlight because you say the same thing that I've said that I've heard a lot of people say. You picked up the book. Rich Dad Poor Dad. It was the first book you read. You read it cover to cover, word for word. And I hear a lot of people say that exact same thing because it was written so well and it was written in a way that people can understand. But I also am known for saying that Rich Dad Poor Dad, as simple as a read as it is, it's like the master's level class for financial education. You know, you get Dave Ramsey who teaches basic fundamentals of financial education. And then you get Robert Kiyosaki who's talking about Oh, everything from the basics all the way up. I can't agree more. I mean, it's it's the more I read, the more I'm just shaking my head going, yes, 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 this makes sense. It, yeah. So it really gave me that direction. From your story, you know, from reading that cover to cover, you totally 
detoured from even the traditional going to college. You were like, I'm not working for nobody else. I want to do my own thing. What drove you to just go in that direction? It sounds like being in a you know working class, raised in that type of environment, something had to spark for you to even go that way. Yeah, I really wanted control of my life. You know, I wanted to be my own boss. I, I knew early on, I didn't like people telling me what to do. So I knew, I knew that going the, the college or job, even if it was a high paying job, wasn't going to be my route. Owning my own time and being in control of what I did with it uh, was important to me. I think early on, you know, after reading the books and other books, it was, yes, I want to be wealthy, 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 and I want to build this empire of real estate. But later reflecting on what my actual reason was, it really came down to having the time to focus on what's important to me and really just be in control of that time. So you, you hit something. And first off, I want to acknowledge you're a veteran. Thank you for your service. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. That's something we can l- relate on. But you said something that I, I want to, I have to bring up. So you like controlling your time and you don't like people telling you what to do, but you joined the military. Yep, that's right. So, so uh, it's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I did, I did find in structure, you know, with high school yeah. wrestling, it was this environment where I, I pushed myself, but I also had someone push me what to do. So, yeah, yeah I had joined the, I had joined the Army National Guard senior year of high school in an infantry unit. They had not been deployed since World War II. It was a buddy that said, "Hey, we go." play GI Joe in the woods once, uh, one week in a month, two weeks a year, you know, like the commercials. And, and I thought, sure, why not? And it was, it was years later that I, I got a call up and five days later I was gone. So, you know, it, it was an experience, but yes, that was part of experiencing that, that <laughs> made me realize even more. So I want to be my own boss. Really interesting. You went to Iraq, you came back, you started buying rentals. Talk to us a little bit about what inspired you to really go all in because coming from a structured environment like the military, sure. and by the way, for all of you who do not know, yes, it's extremely structured. Yes, people tell you what to do. However, it's more like a team. It's like a coach telling you what to do more than it is like a, a demanding evil boss in most cases because Absolutely. they know that once you make rank, all of that ends. So you have yeah. to work and play together in a, a more benef- mutually beneficial way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I came back and sure, some of that structure definitely helped because even as an entrepreneur, you have to create structure in your own life. So yeah, I came back 2004. In 2005, I bought my first house and I had also opened up a small nutrition store. In 2005, banks were giving money away. And so I was able to get approved before having a job, before having any income. This was the beginning of the subprime the subprime stuff. And so bought a house, house hacked it before I knew what house hacking was, rented out two of the three rooms, bought another house in 2006 and another house in 2007. Now these were two no money down and one 5% down deal, but that's what banks were allowing at the time. So I had the three houses. I was in with very little of my own money because they were almost 100% leveraged. And even though it was a hot market, I learned really fast how important just networking and building relationships were. It was a hot market. The, the first house I bought was a friend of the realtor's son who was renovating it. I had made many offers before. I'm standing this thing going, hey, nobody else knows this is for sale except for me. Um, and so I was able to buy it below market in a hot market. And, and at that point, I owned one house, went and made business cards and told everybody I knew that I was an investor and that I'm going to buy property. And yeah. <laughs> a second property 
kind of a similar deal, a non-listed property, a guy at the gym said, hey, my friend's dad's selling his house, bought it about 45,000 below what it appraised out for, again, and still in a hot market. Now it's 2000, you know, it's 2008. I have a few houses and I go to the bank and they say, no, 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 no. you need, you actually need income and a down payment, wow. which I don't really have any of those things. Um, <laughs> so I, I had had the nutrition store a couple of years and it just wasn't making a lot of money. It, uh, overhead was low so I could get by, but it was a couple hundred dollars a month, some, some months. My now wife called me up and said, Hey, I'm pregnant. And it was early, early into the relationship. And I had this, this goal, this dream to be financially free before I had kids. And yeah. I kind of went, Oh, Oh wow. Now it's I better get, I better get serious about, about my dreams of financial freedom through real estate. But rather I shut the store down, worked a bunch of uh, random jobs and ended up also coaching high school wrestling at the time and ended up getting a job in special education class in the high school that I was coaching at minimum wage job. And you know, during that job, I realized really fast, yes, my heart goes out to these kids, although this is not my passion, this is not my dream. And during that year, I set a goal to replace that income with rental property, did my first seller financing deal, and it cash flowed almost to the dollar that that job was making. Now, it was a low paying job, so it was easy to replace that income. But as soon as I was able to replace that income, I considered myself financially free, lived very frugally for a lot of years, and that was, that was kind of the beginning of my journey of uh, seller financing and having the time to really build a portfolio of rental property. So talk to us a little bit about working those random jobs. I mean, you know, we're entrepreneurs and you hear all the time, if you just buy enough rental properties, you get out of the rat race and you'll hit it and it'll be, everything will be smooth selling. And here you are telling us, and our listening audience that you had to work a bunch of jobs and at one point even working a minimum wage job just to get by so that you can really build out that experience. Talk to us a little bit about that. Talk to us a little bit about that timeline. Yeah. You know, even though, even though I had, I owned a couple houses and they were cash flow positive, it wasn't enough to live on and they were fully leveraged. So it's not like I, I brought a bunch of money that I had to the table. So yes, it was great that I had these couple properties and the, the store, even though I enjoyed it at first, I realized I spent a lot of my time just on the computer looking at, at rental property. But I also realized this store's not going to make it. And if I'm not passionate about what I'm doing, it's not something I want to continue to build. And I knew just reflecting that I spent a lot of my time looking at property. I didn't really know what the plan was when I shut it down. I knew that I was going to keep buying rental property, but I didn't know how fast or how soon. I just knew I needed to, to keep on that path. You know, w- when I shut the store down, I was literally on Craigslist looking for not just property, but also for, for jobs. So yeah, I did anywhere from, from landscaping to uh, a job doing calls for a mortgage company, which was a, which a, was a great learning experience. Mm-hmm. And then later landing the job in the, in the special ed class. And wow. you know, that time, it was growth. I had, I had a, a child on the way and it was, it was just hustle mode and I, I had to find a way and it kind of forced me to, to step up and get after my dreams. We can completely relate to that. There's a, two things that I think about just listening to your story. You know, you did the story, it wasn't your passion. And a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we see something and we're like, Ooh, I think I can do this. What did you learn from that experience going through that process, having to shut it down 
And then also with the kid on the way, the story, you know, there was some transition even with your now wife. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. You know, I, nutrition and health is always something that was and, and is important to me. And that's, and that's why I, I got into that business originally, but I realized that that was important for my personal life. I, I, I quickly found that, yes, I, I was excited about real estate. That's what, that's what at the time consumed my mind and what I, what I thought about when I was there at the counter selling or some oftentimes not selling anything. I realized this is where, this is where my focus should be at this point in my life. That's, that's where my excitement was. Wow. So you seem very confident now. Was this always the case? Talk to us a little bit about how you came to become so confident. I think winning breeds confidence, um, oh, yeah. you know, and it's, it's finding somewhere to win. It's growing up. My, my mom always said, um, you can do anything you put your mind to. And that's mm. just something I, I believed as a young kid. I didn't even, didn't even think twice about it. It was like, yeah, I can do anything I put my mind to, you know, and then joining the high school wrestling team was affirmation there with, okay, if I put the work in and I dedicate myself I can find a way to win. I can create these opportunities by how hard I work and how much I put into something. So uh, I'm a big believer in, in mindset and visualization yeah. and wanting it, wanting it there first. But it's also you got to put in the action. There's the desire yeah. part, absolutely the desire part, but there's also the action part. You have to execute as well. Well, there's a strategy. Wrestling is a good thing to use in correlation with entrepreneurship because it takes a certain discipline. You know, even if the guy's maybe 10 pounds heavier than you are, you got to have a certain strategy to figure out, okay, he's heavy here. So that means I need to get him, you know, at his legs or something. Talk about the different strategies that you use that has helped you currently in your business today. Yeah. I'd say the biggest thing is just, it's a relationship business, like any business, you know, something I learned from my, from my dad and he passed away uh, almost two years ago was he was a, he was a people person and he, he genuinely loved people and he saw the good in people. Even the people that maybe the majority would say, Oh, they're kind of, they're kind of weird. He, he saw the good naturally and uh, was good with people. I, I took that into my business. I realized that, you know, you treat people like, like people and build relationships. Those are long lasting. And a lot of my real estate deals have both in the beginning and to this day have been built on, on just relationships and mm. getting to know people. Wow. A relationship business, finding somewhere to win, mindset, visualization, desire. You go by the, the philosophy, you can have it all. And uh, you know, yeah. in the beginning, I, I brought in the fact that you're Mr. Time Freedom himself. Talk to us a little bit about that. You know, the, the mindset, the visualization, the desire, the actual action that goes into that. But you can have it all. And Mr. Tom Freedom, talk to us about that. Yeah. Um, Mr. Tom Freedom. You don't like that name? Yeah, no, I, I, do, I, I do like that name. I've been getting that a lot lately. No, you know, it's, as I mentioned before, like starting off, it was, I thought it was all, oh, when I was eight, 19, read, you know, read the books and was like, yes, I want to be rich. I want to be wealthy. I want financial freedom, financial freedom, financial freedom. And you hear a lot of people talk about that. And yes, I want one of that financial freedom and I've been able to build and create this level of time freedom because of uh, this financial freedom, but it really took time to reflect. And originally I didn't take that time. 
I started realizing the more time that I spent in my head, whether it was walking or meditating, I realized the reason I wanted to build a uh, portfolio of rental properties was because I wanted to own my time. And I thought about what was most important to me. And it was my family and it was my health my relationships. It was contribution. And yes, there's the wealth building side of it, but I wanted to do things on my own terms where I was still able to take my kids to school and pick them up and Mm -hmm. go to their soccer games and dance competitions and and be there. I, I didn't want to build this, this business around only, only money. And it's why I hired out third party property management rather than create my own property management company. It's why I've chose, even though I've thought about many times syndicating deals, I don't want to create a business that's going to take up so much of my time that I get away from what's important to me. I'm able to build this real estate business in a way that doesn't take away from the things that are truly important to me in my life. That's that's extremely important uh, and amazing, an amazing level of clarity that you have come to family, health, relationships, and then wealth. And just whenever you look at a business, if it doesn't meet the metrics of, will I be with my family, maintain my health, or improve my health relationships, and then my wealth, you don't do it. And I I really respect that. And for everybody in our audience, it's something about more than just money. We talk a lot about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Once you get those base level needs met, then you have to figure out what self-actualizes you more than just money. With that being said, hey, if you're not a part of our newsletter, feel free to go and subscribe to our newsletter. It's realliferealequity.com forward slash newsletter. This is, man, he's dropping some nuggets. This is the kind of stuff that's going to be in the newsletter. His information is going to be in the newsletter. All the things that we're talking about today, the free giveaways, all in the newsletter. So go subscribe now, realliferealequity.com forward slash newsletter. Okay, so we're with Gabriel Hamill today, and we're talking about financial freedom. You can have it all. Talk to us a little bit about, and I wouldn't say the younger you, because you gave us a really good backstory of, you know, how you came about and how you came up. So talk to us a little bit about the highs and the lows. Everybody gives the highs. Yeah. Very few talk about the lows. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'll definitely talk about that. So it wasn't, it, it wasn't always about that. So early on, my focus was only on the money side. I was only focused on building wealth. And it was starting to affect my relationship with my, with my wife. It's what consumed my thoughts a lot. And yes, there's an aspect that, to that to, to get these deals done, but I'm talking, it's what I thought about when I woke up, we'd go out on a, on a date night and it's all I would think about and talk about. And it got, it got to the point where it was really affecting our relationship. At one point, my wife and I separated. That's what really, what really made me, I mean, she moved, took the kids, moved out. And that's what really got me having to get real on, Hey, what's really important to me? I mean, yes, I, I love building the wealth, but I realized I had read all these books, done all these things focused on real estate investing and building my, building my wealth. But I had never read a book on marriage. I had never read a book on parenting. I had never read any kind of book on personal development or self-help. And so I really started focusing on improving myself. You know, I had to spend some time reflecting and getting real with my own BS growing as a person. I realized I didn't want to only grow as an investor. I need to grow as a person. I want to be the best version of myself. In order for me to do that, I have to grow in these other areas. It was a down, but it also got me to a place that I was able to get clear on what was important to me. Wow. Wow. You hit something I want to make sure we bring up because I love reading books. I'm, I'm a big reader. 
give us a top three books, you know, family, health, relationship, wealth, your top three books in, in each of the categories or as many of the categories as you could think of. Sure. For marriage, I, I like the five love languages. Okay. That's a lot of people, a lot of people yeah. read that. Gosh, on, on, uh, on parenting, listen to you, uh, scream free parenting and hold, and also uh, hold on to your kids. Okay. In, in the business, in the business or real estate world, obviously I mentioned rich dad, poor dad before the big leap is something I, I listened to recently mindset, David Goggins book, mm. um, is killer. So yeah. I always have either a podcast or a book in my ear. If yeah. it's, it's important to just keep self-educating. For anybody who's out there listening, if you haven't read Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, oh my God, if you could stand the profanity, the, the dude is like unreal. He's a uh, former Navy SEAL. And I don't know if I can really call him a former Navy SEAL because I think, you know, once a SEAL, always a SEAL kind of thing. It's kind of like the Marine Corps. So, you know, he was a Navy SEAL, active duty. He retired. But the guy is like the ultra marathoner from, yeah. the, from the heavens. There was something else that you said, Gabriel, and it was talking about how you worked on yourself. And I just want to highlight that not to, you know, go back, but self-care is something that as entrepreneurs, a lot of us fail to do. Oh, man. And a lot of, a lot of our recent guests, we've talked man. about how entrepreneurs, sometimes they get anxiety, depression. They did with all these other things in the background. They're consistently emptying their cup and they yeah. never refill yeah. themselves. So just kind of talked about being, we have a couple of things in common here where I also care about health. I also have the inspiration of my dad. He passed four years ago. So a lot of those things is also important to me. Share just maybe two or three things that you do now that has helped you with your self-care. Yeah. Sometimes it's as simple as taking my dog for a walk where 10 years ago, I, I might've thought taking a walk was a waste of time because I, it wasn't productive, but I've really reframed what I think productive is. So going and taking an hour walk and being in my head, whether it's just being in my head or listening to something that's going to improve my life, I consider that valuable time. Or 10 years ago, I would have probably said, ah, that's a waste of time. I should be doing something else. So reframing what's what's productive it's kind of that and i don't know who said the quote but everyone should meditate 20 minutes a day and if you don't have yeah. time you should meditate for an hour you know i i never did that before and it it gives you time to to reflect on what what is important can i just can i just say you said something that is so key and i struggle with this you said you thought maybe 10 years ago taking an hour walk would have been not productive yep and for me i've thought that way even to this day, I'm like, man, I'm not going to go for a walk because it's not productive enough. I yep. should be going for a run because yep. I need to be more productive. So yep. I appreciate that level of candor because I'm going to take that away and, you know, start looking at walking as more of an alternative because it, it does help you get that meditation and that quiet time. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. And I, uh, I think the other thing is just knowing what I'm focusing on in that moment. Early on, it was when I was managing my own properties and was kind of on this obsessed, everything was urgent kind of, mm. kind of road. You know, I'd always pick up my phone, always answer my phone. Felt like I had to check emails. Everything felt urgent. And I realized they weren't. And, and actually where, where I realized that, I had a property manager, a previous property manager who would text me that something was an emergency. And I would always call right back. It was always an emergency. 
And, and then at one point I had, I was out of serve. I didn't have service and I missed an emergency from like the day before. So by the time I got the messages, emergency was over and it was taken care of. Wow. And I, and I realized that not everything's an emergency. When I'm, when I'm taking care of business, I'm focused on my business. When I'm working out, I'm focused on my working out. When I'm with my family, my phone is off or put away and I'm with my family. And I think creating that time so you're not distracted with three, four, five things has, has really helped. And getting clear on this is important to have 100% of my time. And if I start splitting that among all these things, it gets down, it, it becomes diluted and nobody, you know, my kids, my business, my workouts, none of it's getting 100% of my time. So you're a full-time real estate investor now. Yep. You own property. Talk to us about what it's like to be Gabriel Hamill on any given day, what it's like to be a full-time real estate investor, some of your key business takeaways, and just more about your business in general. I would say to anyone getting in the real estate world to, to make sure that you align the things in your business with the other parts of your life. And so a typical day for me, it, it varies, but I'm, I'm up in the morning with the kids before they go to school. And any, any business that I need to take care of, my workouts, anything that I'm doing outside of that, I, I get done while they're in school so that I'm mm. available to pick them up after school and take them to their dance or soccer practices and be here in the evening. It's, it's rare that I'm doing anything, including answering the phone after, after the family's all, all home for the evening. Wow. That's a, that's very, that's something I need to work on. Definitely. Um, talk to us a little bit about health. Cause we, you know, just from us talking previously and knowing mutual friends, um, yep. you're vegan. So talk to I us am. a little bit yeah. about, yeah. And we are aspiring vegans. So yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> I have been vegan for 15 years. Yeah. For me, it was just kind of the evolution of health. So I had always worked out. I was always into health and as a teenager, it was, you got to eat a lot of meat. You got to get that protein, get that protein. Mm -hmm. 15 years ago, I read an article and it was a guy that had colon cancer, the size of a softball and was just afraid of doing chemo and radiation. And so instead of doing chemo and radiation, he had a friend that mentioned, Hey, a vegan lifestyle, eating just whole foods could potentially reverse that. And so the guy uh, experimented on himself, did no chemo, no radiation, no medicine at all, changed his diet in less than a year cancer's gone. And wow. I, at first I thought, cool, one guy, one story, I should eat more salad because I had never eaten a salad until the week I went vegan. And so I thought that's one guy. And so I thought, I wonder, I wonder how many other stories there are. And this is before there was all these awesome documentaries and, and, and stuff online. I just started looking up stuff and there was all these uh, independent articles that people wrote, just unbiased articles and videos of people reversing heart disease and tumors and minor just uh, skin irritation. So within that period of time, I just, I was so convinced I'm, I'm, I'm definitely an all or nothing when it comes to, to that kind of thing. And so I've never eaten anything uh, not vegan since. <laughs> and I feel, I feel healthier today than I did, you know, 20 years ago. So you're gonna have to help us with that. Cause we yeah. have like, like, 10 recipes that we kind of rotate on, rotate, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's 20, 20 recipes. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's a different level of mindset. And a lot of people think that, you know, once you start eating vegan, you don't get full, you have a lot of carbs, you got, I mean, it's a lot of misconceptions behind being vegan. Mm -hmm. And 
when we eat vegan, I can tell the difference when I eat meat. And I've gotten to the point, like to your point, I used, I was trying to be a bodybuilder at one time and I was eating no exaggeration, easily 10 pounds of meat a week. Yeah. My stomach started bothering me and I said, you know, I got to change some stuff. And then I got a doctor's visit and my cholesterol was extremely high. And on the paper, it said, we recommend either getting on a statin or going vegan. And I was like, "Ah, I'm not going vegan. I'll do vegetarian. And then I started looking (laughs) at all the vegetarian diets and I was like, well, shoot, there's still cholesterol in here. And I started to realize the only way I'm going to get out of this thing is to actually go vegan. And so for a guy who's been eating meat for 30 years, especially when I was ramping up, trying to be a bodybuilder, eating steak every night, it was extremely difficult. But now I'm at the point where I eat maybe eight ounces of meat a week. And I'm not fully vegan, but you know, we'll talk about that. Cause yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. It. There's, there's a new documentary that came out called the game changers. I don't know if oh, you've seen that, but they, no. they, they, they take already high producing athletes. Anything oh from, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. From cyclists to um, like strongman to Olympic lifters. Um, so it's an array of athletes that are already performing at a high level and they put them on a plant-based diet and they're testing everything from their blood to just their output. So it's pretty, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. So we have just learned so much today. There's been so much insight, so many different tips that our audience can definitely use. Just the transition, the way you transition and come out of situations and just keep moving. I mean, that is something that we strive for with Real Life Real Equity is just keep moving forward as entrepreneurs, just keep pushing. So with that being said, Gabriel has truly wanted to share something with our audience. And since we're both number one best-selling authors, he's going to give our audience a free copy of the ebook, Desire, Discipline, and Determination, Letters from Bold Thought Leaders. And so how can they get that from you? Yeah. um, You can message me on, on Instagram on Facebook. And my website is hamilinvestments.com. Uh, I'm probably most active on Instagram. So if you shoot me a message there, um, we can, I can get you the ebook. Sweet, sweet. And as always, uh, what's your IG handle and Facebook handle? Yeah, it's Gabriel R. Hamill or Gabriel Hamill will we'll find me. IG is Gabriel R. Hamill or Gabriel Hamill and Facebook same. Also, check out his website, HamilInvestments.com. If you can't get a hold of him for some crazy reason, info at RealLifeRealEquity.com. It's again, info at RealLifeRealEquity.com. Definitely gets you a copy of the book, Desire, Discipline, Determination, uh, Letters from Both Thought Leaders. With that being said, man, we appreciate your time. It was a phenomenal interview. Keeping him on that vegan. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a shot of adrenaline, man. (laughs) So, uh, no, I was really excited to do this. So we appreciate your time. Well, let's end with your quote. There's a quote that you have that I saw in the book. Go ahead and tell us what your quote is um, by Jim Rohn. Happiness is not something you postpone for the future. It is something you design for the present. And that's something that resonated with me when I, when I first ever read anything Jim Rohn. I had read uh, the quote book actually from Kyle Wilson. And I read yeah. that and thought, cause a lot of us have that mindset of, Oh, one day I'll be happy. One day I'll be happy mm-hmm. when I get to here, I'll be happy. And so, yeah. yeah, that resonated with me a lot. Wow. If you are not a fan of Jim Rohn, God, you're missing out. Uh, <laughs> he is such a fountain of wisdom. I listen to Jim Rohn. I probably go six months without listening to him. And then I'll go on a Jim Rohn kick. Cause you can go on YouTube and literally 
Just yep. type in Jim Rome and it will be hours and hours and hours of content. And it's just, it's just, it's like medicine for the soul. And uh-huh. so much wisdom. Um, Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And Zig Ziglar. <laughs> yeah, and if you want some motivation, Zig is, is on it. You know. Anyway, with that being said, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and uh, and say goodbye for now. We appreciate your time, and uh, for everybody, we'll see you again next week. All right, appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to Real Life Real Equity Podcast. If you would like to ask the hosts a question or be exposed to our podcast audience, visit our website at realliferealequity.com and submit a request. Again, that's realliferealequity.com or send us an email at info at realliferealequity.com. Again, that's info at realliferealequity.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week right here on Real Life Real Equity Podcast.